Welcome to Play for Keeps, a presentation of Ashland New Plays Festival. This play is the property of the playwright who reserves all rights to its use. This recording is the property of Ashland New Plays Festival, Inc., which reserves all rights to its use. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoy the show. In Ways Both Frivolous and Deep by Marin Gazaniga. When we change our brand of cigarette, move to a new neighborhood, subscribe to a different newspaper, fall in and out of love, we are protesting in ways both frivolous and deep against the not-to-be-diluted dullness of day-to-day living. From Summer Crossing by Truman Capote. Time, Fall 2010. Place, an East Village apartment. Characters. Millicent, 40s. Not what you'd expect a Millicent to look like. If there could be a place for everything and everything in its place, maybe she'd know where she belonged. Sparky. Early 30s, pretty much what you'd expect at first glance. But that messy exterior hides a buttoned-up inside. Recorded voices only. Sparky's mother, 60s, would be an overbearing mother if he'd let her. Sparky's sister, later 30s, harried mom, older sister. Chrysala, 20s, Sparky's girlfriend, a free spirit, but more traditional than her name would imply. Road manager, 40s, his voice says bourbon and cigarettes. Gene, 40s, at the end of his rope. Act 1, Scene 1. Early afternoon. Lights up on a messy apartment. Milk crate bookshelves overflow with paperbacks, CDs, DVDs, old records. A battered couch, upstage center, an old recliner beside it. A coffee table clearly found in a dumpster. Garbage overflows and the pale, used coffee cups are scattered around. Shoes everywhere. Newspapers, magazines, a few concert posters on the walls. There are bowls filled with coins, keys, guitar picks, pens and pencils in every nook and cranny. You get the picture. Hear the struggle of keys in a lock. The door to the apartment is pushed open with difficulty, and Millicent stumbles in with a rolling suitcase and a folding massage table. She stops short when she sees the mess. Oh, no. She drops her things and sits in despair. A phone rings. It's unclear where the ringing is coming from. After three rings, an answering machine picks up. If you're looking for Ralph, hang up. Now. If you're looking for Sparky, do it at the beep. Beep. Yo, Sparky. It's me, Sparky. I'm calling to see if Millicent got there. Yes, it's me. I'm here. I'm here. Uh, where? If you're there, Mel, pick up. Pick up. Pick up. Follow, follow the sound of my voice. Warmer. Warmer. I'm in the couch, between the cushion and the arm. Millicent does as she's told and finds the phone. Hello, I'm here. Feedback as she picks up. The answering machine remains on over the following so we hear Sparky's voice via the machine. Mel! Yes, it's me. I found you. I mean, the phone. Good girl! Is that where you keep it? What? The phone? Do you keep it between the arm and cushion of the couch? That would be kind of weird. But you knew where it was. True that. So... So... Feedback again. Millicent turns off the machine. Lights up on Sparky in limbo. His back to the audience. He adeptly restrings a guitar. I just want to make sure you got in okay and everything. Yes. 
I did. Just now. Great. Keys worked. I had to jiggle them a little. Not part of the charm. So, what do you think of the Sparky Palace? Everything you imagined? I'd say more. Cool. So just, you know, make yourself at home. She gathers cups from the coffee table and heads to the kitchen. The sink is filled with dirty dishes. She places the cups on the floor in front of the sink. Thank you. I will. No problemo. Well, let me know if you need me to do anything. Forward your mail or anything. Millicent opens the refrigerator and backs away from the smell. No, I'm cool. If you find anything in the fridge that's edible, go for it. I don't want to impose. Mikasa su casa. Gracias. She grabs a garbage bag from under the sink and cleans out the fridge. Any questions? Oh, I don't know. I probably will have questions, but not yet. Just so you know, I told my neighbor that you were my bitch. You what? He's the condo prez and we're supposed to only have family and stuff and he's already met my sisters and my mom. Not that you're old enough to be my mom or anything. I mean, I don't know how old you are, but I'm guessing you're not old enough to be my mom. So I told him you were my bitch. So he'll be totally cool. Okay, <laughs> what? You must think I'm a dick. I... Uh, like, I'd tell my condo prez you were my bitch. It did seem a little... Funny, right? Yes, that was funny. Funny that I'd say bitch, or funny that I'd say you were my bitch? Well, both, I guess. Right. She opens the dishwasher and begins to rearrange the dirty dishes. Ah, oh, shit. I'm sorry about that. What? The whole bitch thing. It's okay. As if you couldn't be my bitch. Like you were so far from being the type to be my bitch. It's fine. I mean, I don't even know what you look like. If you're hot, then I guess it's fine. It's kind of a jackass joke and all, but kind of flattering if you're hot. But if you're not, my bad. Apology accepted. We're okay? We're okay. Cool. Hey, don't touch that, you little fuck. I'm the only one who touches the Gretsch. I should let you go. People always say that when they're the ones that want to go. Excuse me? My sister does that. I should let you go, Spark. Then I can hear her kids screaming in the background and makes it seem like I'm the one with pressing matters. She's probably just being polite. It's rude. Just say I have to go. Don't make it seem like it's me who has such a busy life that I can't be bothered to talk on the phone because that's not who I am. If I have to go, I wouldn't have called in the first place. I didn't mean to be rude. It sounded like you were busy. I was talking about my sister. I used the same tactic. Ha! So you do want to go. Honestly, I would like to get settled, get my bearings. Thanks for saying so. Sure. So... What's that? What? That water. Are you taking a piss, Mill? No! It's cool. When you gotta go, you gotta go. I am not going to the bathroom. Going to the bathroom. So proper. I'm running the water in the sink. The kitchen sink. Likely story. I am! Uh-huh. Been there. Run the water while you pee or sing. Like a bridge. I am not going to the bathroom. I'm washing your disgusting dishes. Whoa. I'm sorry. That just came out. I am not peeing. I believe you. I wouldn't do that. I believe you. Thank you. Not even if you were talking to your mother? Sparky. I know, I know. You should let me go. So you're okay? 
I'm fine. I don't want to pry or anything, but when someone needs to move out at the last minute... Well, obviously not fine. No. That's just something you say. Right. To reflect the smaller right-at-this-moment sense, I'm alive. I have no acute injuries or open wounds. Good. That's good. And now I have a place to stay, a haven. She has moved back to the living area and is straightening up. That guy must be a class one asshole to dump you. Who said anyone dumped me? Ha! Lucky guess. He didn't dump me. You're the dumper? There's no dumping. This is about space. Well, he's an asshole either way. Well, it's nice of you to say, but you don't know him. I know anyone would let you go is out of his mind. You don't know me either. That's a technicality. How can not knowing me or Jean be a technicality? It's the whole point. The whole point of what? Of passing judgment on him. Or me. I don't pass judgment. I'm a very accepting guy. Live and let live. You just said Jean was an asshole. That's just a fact. That's not passing judgment. Look, I'm not very happy with him right now, but you really shouldn't call him that. His name is Jean. So? I rest my case. What case? The asshole case. As for you, I don't need to meet you in person to know you're good people. We've exchanged three emails, so I could wire you the money and pick up the key at the dry cleaners. And two voicemails. I got a feel. You should be careful. Sometimes people are nice on the phone, but awful in real life. Are you awful in real life, Mill? She stops cleaning. Ask Jean. I don't want to even talk to that asshole. <laughs> Thank you. I haven't laughed in a long time. That's a shame. You got a good laugh. Well, if you need anything... I'll call. Yeah, do. Only I probably won't be able to do anything about it, given I'm like 500 miles away, another country. Oh, Canada. I just meant if I had a question. A question. Like, what nights are garbage nights? Right. Or do you recycle? Or where's the laundromat? Or the best place to buy milk? Okay, slow down. I need to get a pencil. No, you don't need to answer. What? Those were rhetorical? You mean hypothetical? So you don't really want me to answer those? Well, I probably do, just not right this minute. Okay. But if you need me to answer them, I should still probably... Sparky. Yeah? I really appreciate all the hoops to rent your place so last minute, and I'll probably have questions for you, but right now I kind of need to just... Are you going to cry? Maybe. Oh, shit. Sorry. I hate it when girls cry. I'm going to hang up now. I'll check in tomorrow. No need. Ciao, adios. Uno fucking minuto! Oh, hey. Yes? Tuesdays and Sundays are garbage. We recycle on Sundays. There's a washer-dryer in the basement. The washer takes 50 cents and the dryer takes 75 cents for 30 minutes, but it's really hot, so you hardly ever need more than that. Uh, there's a bowl of quarters on my bookshelf. Help yourself. There's a bodega on the corner, but I like the one that's right by the subway stop. The guy's nicer and their milk is hardly ever sour, but in a pinch, the guy on the corner is cool. You get all that, Mill? I think I needed a pencil. Shit, Mill, I got pencils up the wazoo. Just look around. You sure do. You cool? I don't know. You're going to be okay. Uh-huh. Just remember, Tuesdays and Sundays. Tuesdays and Sundays.
Got it. And call me with any questions, anytime. I won't always answer, but you can call. Thanks, Sparky. Lucky you met me, huh? Technically, I haven't. Whoa, let's not go there again. Okay. The dry cleaner said you were nice when I picked up the key. Ed's the best. You should definitely throw him all your fancy shirt business. I will. See, Craigslist isn't all bad. We're not all psycho murderers. Shit. I did it again, Mel. I promise. I'm not going to come home in the middle of the night when you least expect it and rape you and cut you into pieces. I couldn't take that right now. Promise. I believe you. When you're weary. Goodbye, Sparky. Bye, Mel. The sound of flushing in Sparky's singing and then dial tone. Millicent hangs up. She surveys the room, takes one of the milk crates, loads it up with stray shoes, and sets it down. What next? She spots a worn boot sticking out from under the couch. She pulls it out and reaches her arm as long as it will go to pull out the other boot. She perches the boots atop the crate and hauls it center. She goes to her suitcase, takes out a pair of small-knit, black-and-white Converse baby booties, and holds them out in the palm of her hand. She places them on top of the crate of shoes. She stands and stares at the pile of shoes as the lights slowly dim to black. Scene 2. One week later. In the dark, we hear the sound of a machine printing, and then a clip. Then typing, printing, and a clip. Typing, printing, a clip. Lights up on Millicent, making labels with her labeler. She sticks the labels onto drawers in a large plastic organizer case. The apartment is cleared of most of the stray boy stuff, which is piled in a big box that sits beside her. Phone rings. Answering machine picks up. If you're looking for Ralph, hang up. Now. If you're looking for Sparky, do it at the beep. Beep. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Ralphie. Happy birthday to you. It's your mother. 32 years ago today, I gave birth to you. I was just sitting here thinking about how painful that was, what with not getting there in time for the epidural and all. Thank God your sisters gave me plenty of warning, because if they had caused me as much pain as you did, well, let's just say your father would have had a hard time getting his Johnson anywhere near me for a long time. God bless his soul. And then you might never have been born. Days like today, I miss that man. I miss having someone to look at and say, Can you believe our little Ralphie is 32? Where does the time go? Look at him. So independent, he doesn't even call home anymore or answer his phone when he's out traveling God knows where. Or let us know where the hell he is so when we watch the news and see a crazed gunman who slaughtered 37 people in North Carolina, we can say, Oh, that's terrible. But thank God we know our Ralphie wasn't there. I do miss having someone to share those moments with. Well, I hope you're having a good birthday, and I hope I live to hear about it. Dial tone. Millicent writes on a pad. She dumps the cardboard box contents onto the floor and begins to sort it into piles. Coins, guitar picks, business cards, etc. Phone rings. Machine answers. If you're looking for Ralph, hang up. Now, if you're looking for Sparky, do it at the beep. Beep. 
Hey Spark, tours booked for the 17th, 42 dates, 57 days, pack an extra bunk sock, see you in a few weeks man. Dial tone. Millicent writes on the pad. She continues to sort in silence. Phone rings, machine answers. If you're looking for Ralph, hang up, now. If you're looking for Sparky, do it at the beep. Beep. Hey Sparky, it's Chrysala, I think... Maybe your cell phone's not working, or maybe you lost it or something. I hate not talking. I hope you got my gift, and that it fits. I hate thinking of you being cold up there. And you never pack right, and I don't want anyone else keeping you warm. (laughs) Anyway, call me if you get this. I know you said you were fine with everything, but... Well... I miss you. Dial tone. Millicent writes on the pad. She puts the piles into drawers. Phone rings, machine answers. If you're looking for Ralph, hang up. Now. If you're looking for Sparky, do it at the beep. Beep. Jesus, change that message. You're 32 years old and answer your damn cell phone. It's passive aggressive. Mom's all worried because there was some report about mad cow in Canada and she thinks you may be there. I told her you probably couldn't afford to eat steak. So now she wants to send you money. Baby cries in the background. Millicent stops. Okay, I'll let you go. Just please call mom. Happy birthday. Dial tone. Millicent writes. She goes to the milk crate of shoes. She places the baby booties gently on the table, dumps the shoes, gets a plastic bag, dumps the contents, shoe polish and brushes. She begins to shine the shoes. Lights down low. In semi-darkness, as Millicent continues to shine the shoes, phone rings. Machine answers. If you're looking for Ralph, hang up. Now. Dial tone. Machine resets. Phone rings. Machine answers. If you're looking for Ralph, hang up. Now. If you're looking for Sparky, do it at the beep. Beep. Hello? I'm sorry. I think I have the wrong number. Dial tone. At the sound of the voice, Millicent freezes. Phone rings. Machine picks up. If you're looking for Ralph, hang up. Now. If you're looking for Sparky, do it at the beep. Beep. Hello? I'm not sure who or where I'm calling, but I've been getting calls from this number on my caller ID while I'm out. Like, a lot of calls. Like, someone checking the machine for messages. Like... My wife does, so I'm thinking she must be at this number. So, if Millicent is staying at this number, can you ask her to call Jean? Thank you. Dial tone. As Millicent shines more vigorously. Blackout. Scene 3. 2 a.m. A few days later. Lights up on Sparky, in limbo stage left, in a bright blue v-neck sweater. He is restless. He dials his cell phone. We hear a phone ring three times, the click of a machine picking up. He closes his phone. We hear the machine resetting. Sparky flips on the TV. He channel surfs, continuing to dial the phone, letting it ring, and hanging up, redialing, etc. Lights up, dim, to reveal Millicent, curled up on the sofa, staring at the shoes, which are now polished, lined up in size order. The knit booties are last in line. She listens to the phone ring and the hang-ups with growing anxiety. Sparky stops on a porn channel 
Bored, he picks up a sock from the floor. Facing upstage, he watches the TV. It's all writhing bodies and porn sounds. He continues to hit redial on his phone with one hand. With the other, he unzips his pants. Millicent goes to the kitchen, looks in the refrigerator, takes out a beer, puts the beer back, all while the phone rings, machine picks up, etc. She puts a tea kettle on, sets up a mug and tea bag. Finally, she storms to the phone and grabs it. You have to stop. I mean it, Jean. Leave me alone or I will call the police. Whoa, I swear whoa, I will. Millicent, what the hell? Oh my God. Sparky? Is that you? Yeah, it's me. Are you okay? I'm sorry. Oh my God. You must think I'm a What's crazy person. What's going on? Person. Why are you calling the cops? No, I'm not. Is Jean hassling you? No. No, I just got carried away. If you're in danger... I'm not. Uh, Jesus. Jealous boyfriends, husbands, it's always them behind some bloodbath. No, no bloodbath, I promise. I saw a special once. Blood's hard to get out of the upholstery. Well, I'm sure you can just sponge off your pleather couch. Don't be like that. I'm sorry if I'm offended that you're more worried about your shitty couch than about whether someone machetes me to bits. You were screaming like a banshee. I'll leave me alone, Jean, at two in the morning. That's because I thought he was calling and hanging up over and over again for the past hour. Oh. Why are you calling and hanging up in the middle of the night? I was trying to reach you. Leave a message. I don't like leaving messages, and I figured you'd understand the code. What code? The call hang up call again code that means it's Sparky calling? You never told me the code. Everyone knows that code. Obviously, I wasn't getting the code. I figure you weren't getting the code because you weren't there. So I'd keep calling and catch you when you came in. And, and then you'd obviously get the code and pick up. The porn sounds are suddenly loud. What are you doing? He mutes the TV. The images continue to flicker in the background. Nothing. The tea kettle whistles. Ow! What? Go! What? God. Millicent, what's going it's on? The kettle. The what? I was boiling water. She turns off the kettle. This is some serious fucked up shit, Mel. Why are you calling at 2 a.m.? It's my home. I can call if I want to. I just wanted to talk. To me? You're a good talker. How would you know? In our limited conversations, I always find myself, you know, talking. That makes me a good listener. Huh. Millicent makes tea. You must have other people you can talk to. At 2 a.m.? Your girlfriend? Girlfriends can't just listen. No? They have to start telling you what you should do is... And then you have to listen to all this stuff about getting your act together and being a man and taking responsibility. Sounds like you've had a lot of experience with this. The truth is, I'm very responsible. I have a job, an apartment. I pay my bills. I don't screw around. Who said anything about... The point is, I do the major shoulds. So I don't need to hear more of them. Do your own shoulds is how I see it. You do your shoulds. I'll do mine. I know I should listen, Sparky, but I just can't. That's cool. It's late. No, I mean, I'm done listening all day at work. I'm a massage therapist, and you think people want to just lay there and enjoy it? That's what I want to do when I get a massage. But you'd be amazed. People want to talk about all their shit. I got a massage once. I fell asleep. Then I come home, and... I just want to hear my own voice in my own head.
Well, you're in the right place. The Sparky Palace is a haven of serenity. Millicent settles into the couch with her tea. So, what is it you wanted to talk about? But... It's 2 a.m. and the voice in my head right now made me scream at you when I answered the phone. So... Would you like to talk about that? No. Now I feel funny. Can you, like, ask me questions? What did you do for your birthday? How'd you know it was my birthday? The messages. Oh, man. For a second I thought you were psychic or something. So? What'd you do? You've been listening to my messages? I can't help it. You could turn down the machine. Oh, right. I feel a little violated. Would you like them? I made a list. If I want them, I'll call in. I didn't mean to pry. I was just here cleaning and... Cleaning? No need to thank me. Just a little straightening. You're not touching my shit and stuff, are you? Well, I have to touch it. I'm living here. But that wasn't part of the deal. I'm just making things habitable. They're habitable. I habit them. Those are my habits. Just a little tidying. I hadn't really thought this through. Someone all up in my stuff. It was Chrysalis' idea to make some extra dough while I'm on the road. She sounds smart. Yeah, about everyone else. Hey. Just don't stay out of my underwear drawer. <laughs> I have no interest in your underwear. Okay, I'm cool. It's cool. I don't have any dark secrets. You really don't need to worry about me, Sparky. I have my own life to worry about. True that. So? You spoke to your mother and Chrysala. Is that a question? I assume they called your cell after they left messages here. This is the bat phone. Count yourself lucky. Not everyone gets the bat phone number. People who know when your birthday is must. I totally forgot about my birthday until today. Completely forgot? Not a big birthday guy. I don't believe you. The way I see it, Mill, every day is special. There's no reason that I should get presents one day out of the year. Every 365 days. But you do get presents, don't you? That's why you don't care. Because your mother and sister and Chrysala all take care of you so you can sit around and act all nonchalant and like you don't care because you know they care. Hey, if you really want to get me a sweater, get me a sweater. We don't need to wait for this one day to do that. It's a lot of pressure. What if I hate it? What if you happen to be really broke and can't afford a sweater right now, so you get me some crap V-neck from the Goodwill just to get me something? I would never get someone a birthday gift from the Goodwill. What if it was all you could afford? Then I get flowers instead. Flowers die. Then make a card that would show you cared, that you'd thought, hey, it's Millicent's birthday. I'm going to make her a card so she knows she's important enough for me to take just five minutes out of my busy day. I bet she'll like this card more than a microwave. Wait, is it your birthday too? I'm just using myself as example. Microwave? Sweet. Now, I'd be stoked if someone gave me a microwave. I guess that's the difference between you and me. So, what made you remember it was your birthday? Huh? Before? You said you forgot? Until today? You are a good listener. The mail. Someone sent me something. A sweater. I told her not to get me anything. Chrysala. I don't like blue and v-necks are gay. But I have been cold. It's not the sweater itself. It's 
You ever get a gift from someone you just really weren't in the mood to get a gift from? I can't say as I have. Come on. People don't buy me a lot of gifts. Poor Millicent. I don't believe you. Then don't. If you're tired of being a listener, you have to be a talker. Otherwise, people are going to fill up the silence and wham, there you are listening again. What's Gene doing that's got you so on edge? He wants to talk and, as I said, I don't. I thought you didn't want to listen. I don't want to talk or listen. So you're the dumper. I just needed some space. When guys say that, it means it's over. What's it mean when girls say it? I wouldn't know. I'm a grown woman. Who needs her space? I just want to have blueberries and beer for dinner, okay? What's so wrong with that? Eat and drink what you want. You don't need to dump the guy. Forget it. You're giving up on this talking thing way too easily. You're giving me shoulds. I'm calling you on your bullshit. That's what friends do. We're not friends, and my friends don't do that. Well, maybe they should. I think you should marry Chrysala. What? Oh, wait. <laughs> I see what you're doing. Turning on the should machine to try to distract me. A phone rings. Millicent scrambles to answer, tripping over the line of shined shoes, knocking them askew. What's that? Is that Jean? Calling you in the middle of the night? What's wrong with this guy? Millicent turns off her cell phone. After a beat, she remembers Sparky. Sorry about that. Jean? I don't want to talk about it, Sparky. Millicent realigns the shoes. Can I just ask you one thing? What? Did Jean get you a microwave? Yes. Ha! See what I did there? Something about the way you said microwave. It doesn't take Sherlock Holmes. Ah, oh, come on. That was very sensitive on my part. If you say so. Now me? I'd never get anyone a microwave. When's the last time you got someone a birthday present? Oh. I thought so. So don't get on your high horse about not buying a microwave. I wasn't bragging about it. No? I was actually going to say something critical of myself. Okay. I was gonna say that I would never buy anyone a microwave because I have a bad back. Why do you think that's a self-critical statement? Because I, myself, am saying my back is bad. So acknowledging a physical limitation is, in your mind, a self-criticism. Yes. Interesting. What's that mean? Well, the truly self-critical aspect of the fact that you would not buy someone a microwave because you have a bad back is that you are implying that you are selfish. Come again? You don't want to risk throwing your back out by carrying a microwave, correct? Right, Amundo. I have to do a lot of heavy lifting at work, so I make it a practice not to outside of work. So, you are thinking more of yourself than of the person who may or may not want a microwave. Yeah, but I have a bad back. It's not my fault. Putting aside whether or not it's your fault you have a bad back. Why are we putting that aside? For argument's sake. How is it my fault I have a bad back? That would take a lot of investigating. Do your parents have bad backs? Do you have a high school football injury? Do you always lift from the knees? Do you bottle up your feelings and your back goes out during times of personal crisis? Whoa, 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 whoa. What is this? I said, let's put the bad back blame aside for the sake of argument. I'm not looking for an argument. My back is bad. Accepted. However, deciding to not buy someone a microwave because of a bad back, now that is something you could overcome if you wanted to. You could decide... You know, my back is bad, 
but Millicent really wants a microwave, so I'm going to have it delivered. I thought you didn't want a microwave. Again, using myself as example. Okay, so I'm a schmuck with a bad back. You said it, not me. I still think it's a cool gift. You don't get people things you think are cool. You get them things they think are cool. So Jean should have gotten me a microwave. She takes one of the worn boots and examines it gently, like a piece of art. What's a bunk sock? Sparky looks at the sock still in his hand and hides it. What kind of question is that? One of your messages. Someone told you to pack an extra. I think that should be one of those things you don't want to talk about. Tell me. Trust me. Please. Let's just say we spend a lot of time in bunks on the road. So sometimes an extra sock comes in handy. Because you lose socks? Because it's lonely and it comes in handy. Hand-y. Like... I don't... For hand jobs? Oh. Yuck. She replaces the boot. She gently touches the knit booties. Come on. You know what it's like. Sometimes you just need a release. And maybe you don't want to be an asshole and go pick up some girl just to relieve the stress. So the bunk sock is really a humanitarian gesture. I don't really equate it with the release of hostages. But I see your point. Thank you. Well, I better let you go. Wait. You don't want to talk about you. No. And you don't want to listen. I was listening. Only to answers to questions I don't really want to be asked. Maybe we could just... Sit here and listen to nothing for a while, but not alone, as a humanitarian gesture. I guess I could do that. Millicent goes to the fridge. She takes out a beer and blueberries and returns to the couch. She eats blueberries and sips her beer. Sparky pops a beer. He pulls off his sweater. At some point, Millicent begins to speak. These thoughts are discoveries for her. I don't really like warm blueberries, like in pie, or putting them in cereal, or muffins, but I do like them frozen, with beer. I like the first moment of giving a massage, when I get to put my hands on a person's back and feel their energy and tension and know that I'm going to be able to move that energy around. But I don't like the last moment when I finish and I have to put my hand gently on the person's forehead and say, thank you. They make us do that. What am I thanking them for? They should be thanking me. It's supposed to be gratitude for the energy exchange we share during the massage. But I don't like forced gratitude. I like folding laundry while I'm watching TV. Not alone in the basement. I like listening to Barry Manilow when I'm cleaning. You know how he starts out playing at the piano and there's that moment when he grabs the mic and the whole orchestra joins in and the music builds and he hits the modulation? That kills me. I don't like jazz. The way the music goes on and on and refuses to resolve makes me so tense. I have a hard time with lack of resolution. I like to know where things are going. And with Barry, you know exactly where it's going. But you know what's weird? Barry makes me happy and sad at the same time. That's not really resolved, is it?
Oh, I like the first cup of coffee in the morning. The first sip of beer. First kisses, though it's been a while since I've had one of those. The promise of something new. Sparky? Yeah? Thought maybe you'd fallen asleep. Nah, I'm here. You should call your mom. Ralphie. Oh, man. I thought Ralph was someone else. He is. Lights down. Scene four. Late night, several days later. Music blasts from the stereo. Lights up on Millicent, wearing an oversized Frank Zappa concert t-shirt and leggings, dusting. Things are really shaping up. Phone rings. Machine picks up. If you're looking for Ralph, hang up. Now. If you're looking for Sparky, do it at the beep. Beep. Millicent turns down the music and turns out the lights. Look, I know Millicent is calling from this number. No one else would call the house this many times from the same number and not leave a message. Millicent, please, just pick up. Millicent stands over the phone. You can't just say, I can't do this anymore, and disappear. She reaches toward the phone. Is there someone else? Who are Ralph and Sparky? It's not my fault the sex is bad. You've made me jump through all these hoops and do all this stuff I don't want to do. I don't get any of the things I need and deserve out of this relationship. Who feeds me, huh? I deserve someone who will love me for who I am. I'm tired of trying to please you all the time. What about me? What about my needs? Did you ever ask me what I want? Dial tone. Millicent walks to the kitchen. She takes out a beer, closes the refrigerator. Darkness again. The sound of a beer opening. Millicent can't hold back a sound that we recognize as pain. Scene 5. Lights up, full. Later that night, there are several empty beer bottles around, but other than that, the place is extremely clean. Millicent stands on the coffee table and belts out the chorus to Looks Like We Made It, the Barry Manilow version, into an empty beer bottle. The phone rings. The machine picks up. If you're looking for Ralph, hang up. Now. If you're looking for Sparky, do it at the beep. Beep. Hello? Sparky? Why won't you call me back? Millicent turns down the music to listen. I don't understand. We were having fun. You said you were falling for me. You said that, remember? I'm not making this up. I have that postcard you sent me from the Corn Palace. And then just because things get complicated, you disappear off the face of the earth? It takes two, Sparky. I hate you. I hate you so much. Dial tone. Millicent grabs the phone and dials. A cell phone rings. Lights up suddenly on Sparky's limbo. He is asleep on a cot. He fumbles for the phone, looks at the number, answers. Millicent? Sparky? It's Millicent. What time is it? Time to wake up and smell the coffee. It's still dark. <laughs> it's darkest just before the dawn, and it is time for the sun to rise and shine on you. It's after four. You 
seem like a nice guy and all, but you are serially messed up. Serially? Like I don't have enough Cheerios? What? 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 What are you talking about? What are you talking about? You and how seriously messed up you are. Have you been drinking, Mel? Damn straight. Good for you. Let's talk in the morning. No way, mister. You are going to answer and you are going to answer to me right now. We wrapped at 3 a.m. Wow. That's late. What time is that? 4.34 a.m. It's 4.34 a.m.? No way. I'm hanging up. Not so fast, cowboy. What? I am speaking on behalf of womankind here, Sparky. You're 32. You should not be going around making grown women cry. Please tell me what you are talking about. You think it's okay to play with human hearts? To woo them, make love to them, and then stomp all over them like that guy from Riverdance? Whose heart am I clogging on? Chrysalis! Chrysalis been over there? No, but she calls a lot and is getting bad. I thought you were turning down the phone. <laughs> if a tree falls in the forest and someone doesn't hear it, but it was still recorded on the answer machine, it doesn't mean the tree didn't fall. Who's the tree here? So I didn't turn it down. That's eavesdropping. Don't turn this around on me, Lord of the Dance. You're butting I in. I feel a certain responsibility having taken in your aura and everything. And I have to say, all in all, I get a good-hearted vibe. I mean, not saintly or anything, but I feel only a decent human being would have all these books. Serial killers read books. People who shoot Cheerios? What? Serial killers! Ah. You have a French press. That means you care about a good cup of coffee and are patient. Or it was a gift from someone who doesn't know me very well. Baloney. It's been used a lot. It's all filmy, which means you use it probably daily because I think we can just hold off on any debates about you being a clean freak. Obviously, I'm insensitive. Obviously, you care about your environment. You have that new shower curtain you bought for the bathroom and nice sheets and a comforter and that pretty painting of the street in somewhere pretty, but the shower curtain hasn't been hung. The comforter and the sheets were dirty when I got here, and the painting is unframed and propped up on the floor against the wall. You want things to be nice. You're just lazy. Or you have trouble with completing things. I haven't figured this out yet. Or I'm busy. Or a procrastinator. But it all adds up to not a bad person. So why aren't you calling her? When I posted that Craigslist ad, I don't recall it saying looking for someone to call me at all hours and tell me how I'm screwing up my life. Ouch. This is a side of you I haven't seen. You haven't seen me at all. You're a stranger living in my house, analyzing my French press, listening to my messages. You can't just leave town and not call. You're avoiding jeans. That's different. How do you know? I know what I hear. And I hear a woman who's trying, Sparky. Trying really hard to communicate with you. She's been polite. She's gotten annoyed. She's reined in her anger. She's tried to be understanding. But she's tired of pretending not be furious and hurt and wounded. And she just can't keep it in anymore. So will you please just call her? 
If I tell you I'll call her, will you let me go? Only if you mean it. I will call Chrysler tomorrow. Don't pretend that nothing's happened. What? When you call her, don't be all, Hey, Chrysler, it's Sparky. What's up? You need to begin with an apology. What do I have to apologize for? No one ever calls you on things. They let you slide. You're a slider. People call you Sparky. <laughs> You're an adult. You take off for months at a time. You don't answer your cell phone. And then just when we've had it, you call and you're all charming and make jokes. And we think, oh, Sparky, he's funny. He has nice sheets. Well, this is your wake-up call. How did you become part of this? Part of what? The we. I didn't say we. Did too. <laughs> it was the royal we. Good night, your highness. You're going to call her? Tomorrow. And you're going to? Take some Advil before you go to bed and drink a big glass of water. I'm glad we had this talk. Oh, me too. Good night. Sleep tight. Don't let the bed bugs bite. Yeah, you too. See you in a week. See me? When you get back. I figured you'd be gone. You don't want to meet me? I suppose if you're there, we can high-five, pass the baton. I thought we were friends. Sure. Phone buddies. <sighs> you know what your problem is? You are incapable of intimacy. Oh, boy. I mean, you fall in love, right? About ten times a day. I get that. You're nice on the phone. But in real life? In real life, people are sleeping at this hour. In real life, you don't want to be nice. You have a glass ceiling when it comes to intimacy. I said I'd call. You are always going to be the regional manager, but never the CEO of love. Fine. Not everyone can be CEO. Some of us have to be regional managers. But then you got to come clean. You got to say, Chrysala. I am a regional manager of love, and if that's all you want, then I'm your man. I can promise you stability and nice guyness, but I'm not going to call you back a lot, and I'm not going to get a promotion for taking on extra hours. So if you're looking for private jet kind of love, you should look somewhere else. You are not my mother. No. And you are drunk. That's no excuse. No, it isn't. So get a puppy. I'm already paper trained. You can dish it out, but you can't take it. You know what? I changed my mind. I knew it! Clear out before I get back. What? No! No high five. Oh, come on! Don't be like that! Goodbye, Millicent. Wait! Dial tone. Millicent stands looking out in terror. What has she done? Blackout. End of Act 1. Act 2, Scene 1. Afternoon, one week later. Lights up on Sparky, wearing a pastel argyle sweater, holding a duffel bag, backpack, and man purse in the middle of his immaculate apartment. Oh, no. Millicent enters, backside first, hauling a heavy box. She gets all the way in and puts the box down carefully before she turns, sees Sparky, and screams. Ah! Oh, my goodness. Oh, my, my... Sparky? Afraid so. I thought you were getting back tomorrow. I left a message. Several messages, even though, as you know, I don't like leaving messages that I was coming home today. 
I turn the machine down? I used the code. There must have been a lot of ringing. I've been out a lot. Well, it's nice to finally meet. So, I see you've been busy. I wanted to have the place all ready for you. I thought I had another 24 hours. There was something more you had in mind? A little rearranging, some chalk. You're trying to redirect my chi? I found that book you had about Feng Shui. Chrysla wrote that. Chrysla wrote, I'm okay, you're Feng Shui? Did she ever. It says by Anne Jones. That's her nom de plume. I found it covered with dust under your bed. Ironic. I figured it was one of those projects you'd started that you hadn't finished. I thought I'd surprise you as an apology for that stuff I said the other night. Thought if I got everything arranged just right, it would help you make room for good things to come into your life. She always puts my toilet seat down so I won't flush my wealth away. I didn't get to that chapter. You don't look like I expected. No? Millicent. Sounds like someone who wears kilts. I used to have a kilt with a big brass safety pin. See? That was over 30 years ago. You could still pull it off. Thanks. Sure. So, you thought I'd be prissy? I thought it was a possibility. Huh. How about me? My surprise? I'd say you look like a sparky. Would you like some coffee? I can run to the corner or um, make a pot. She begins to make coffee. I can make coffee. It's my house. It's the least I can do. I insist. He takes over. She can't help herself. They have a polite battle for control of the coffee making. She wipes up the grounds he spills. He takes the sponge away from her. She gets out the milk. He takes it. She pulls out a small pitcher. He pours milk into it as she holds it out. She opens the cupboard. He takes out two mugs. She goes for the French press. He puts the mugs down, grabs the plunger, and plunges. With both their hands on the French press, it's a game of chicken. Finally, she lets go, and he pours the coffee into the mugs. She holds out the pitcher. Milk? He reluctantly holds out his mug. She pours. She sits on the sofa. He remains standing, taking in his apartment. He spots a mason jar of pencils on a shelf. He picks it up. What's this? You had all those pencils. They were everywhere. Can't just have pencils everywhere. I disagree. Uh, if you need to write something, you need to know where to look. I do. I look wherever because when I get an idea or need to make a shopping list or fill out a bubble form, there's a pencil Right there, within reach. I suppose that's how you felt about pennies, guitar picks, dirty socks, and old coffee cups as well? I'm trying to be understanding, given your situation, but I am not comfortable with what you've done here. I just imposed a little peace and order on a chaotic environment. Maybe I thrive in chaos. No one thrives in chaos. I do. Well, I don't. And for the past month, this has been my home. You're a guest. A paying guest. 
Not market rates. Market rates would require no dirty underwear in the corners or pubic hair in the drain. Hey, I don't understand why you're mad at me for making your place nice. I don't like the idea of some strange woman、I、rearranging my underwear、strange. and pencils. And is there a baby here? Those are mine. He holds up the baby booties. She grabs them away. They look a little small. Where are my guitar picks? Millicent rises and goes to a shelf and brings over the organizer box of plastic drawers. She opens the one that says guitar picks. Do you even have a guitar? Pennies, old Because business cards. Because I didn't、cards? come across any guitars, and I notice you don't have、this、a case whack, with you. This is whack, Mill. Why would you have all these guitar picks if you don't have a guitar? I don't need to explain. If someone my has guitar picks, they must play the guitar, or at least own a guitar. And I have been through this place with a fine-toothed comb, and there is no guitar. Let it go. Does Chrysalis play guitar? Did you have a roommate who played guitars and left his picks when he moved out? You really got to call. Or her picks. You could have had a female guitar playing roommate, or even subletter like me. You've given this a lot. Or of maybe、thought. you had an old guitar pick collection left to you by your father, and someone came in and broke into it and flung it all over your apartment, or hid them from you, like 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 the way the Easter Bunny hides eggs. I'm a roadie, a guitar tech roadie. I'm the guy with a pocket full of picks. And on the rare occasion when I get to come home, I empty my pockets. And maybe when you're hauling other people's guitars around and tuning them and changing their strings and sound checking so they can do their rock thing, maybe you just don't want another fucking guitar at home sitting in the corner mocking you, saying you used to make love to me, but now all you do is ignore me while you give all your love to other dudes' guitars. Did you ever think of that? Thank you. For explaining about the picks, I got my car. I can give you a lift. Where's your next crib, crash pad, place you call home? I wanted to talk to you about that. I don't like the sound of this. I know you're leaving again in two weeks. How do you know that? The message from the bunk sock guy said you were going out again on the seventeenth, and that's in two weeks. So, so I'm I, leaving again in two weeks. I'd like to renew my sublet. It's two weeks from now. I was kind of no、hoping. way. I don't even have to sleep on the couch. I can sleep on the floor in the hallway by the bathroom. You'd hardly know I was here. Between my massage appointments, other stuff, I can be out all day. I just come here to sleep. I'll pay more. Even if I was to let you sublet again. Thank you. No, you you still can't stay here with me for two weeks. You have to find some place else for now. So you might as well just find some place else forever. I'm begging you. The weeks I'm home, it's Sparky time. It's when I recharge. I can help with that. Lay down. It's okay. Really, she pulls him to the floor, grabbing a pillow from the couch. Just、mm. relax. Here, put your head on this. She positions him on his side, his head on the pillow. That's it. Ready? She presses her thumb into his neck and her other thumb into his side. He writhes in pain. Oh, what the fuck! That's good. Now breathe.、Uh, Let all of、uh, that just、uh, go out down、uh, your arm.、Uh, there,、uh, that's better. Oh, that is not better. Look how your neck is so much more relaxed.、Oof. I think we've discovered how we can both help each other. You can let me stay on my little cot. No, and I can help you release all this stress. 
So when you leave again, you'll be, like, new. Sparky, spanking new. Mill, you gotta listen to me. Chrysler would no way go for this. Ow! How long you been doing this, Mill? Eight years and three and a half months. So, you work things out with Chrysler? That's great. You made me call her. We can't make people do anything, Sparky. Not without guns. You rearranged my things to make the universe bring me wealth. That's different. Millicent gives one last pressure point. Oh, wait. That was actually... Wow. Weird. He lays there at peace. She rises. I got you something. A welcome home gift. She drags over the box. You can't bribe me with massages and gifts. You have to... A microwave? I know you like it, so don't even pretend otherwise. That's... Wow, Mill, that's generous. Please don't tell me you have a bad back. I had a guy help me get in the taxi. Oh, man. I was out of line the other night. I'm sure you're really great at love. And that Chrysler is lucky to have you. That was misplaced. And I'm sure you know that, but I think it bears saying. He's actually a little moved by the microwave. He gives her a big hug. She stands stiffly. Apology accepted. He goes to his bags and holds up his man purse. You know, two years ago, my sister gave me this man purse. That's nice. Do I look like a man-purse kind of guy? Do you look at me and think there's a guy who's dying for a to-me bag? Cargo shorts? Definitely. Messenger bag? Absolutely. Maybe even a fanny pack. But I'm telling you, I love it. It looks useful. Love it. And it's very manly. Right? So I was thinking maybe the microwave Jean gave you was like the man purse my sister gave me, the thing you didn't know you wanted. Sometimes those are the best gifts. That's a lovely sentiment. I thought so. But there's no way I wanted a microwave. Did you use it? Sure. Every day? Yes, but just to zap my old coffee. In fact... If I didn't have it, I would have probably made myself fresh coffee, like I do here. It's nice having fresh coffee every morning. But that microwave made me treat myself like someone who only deserves yesterday's coffee, reheated with possibly carcinogenic radioactive waves. Yeah, you're right. He's probably trying to kill you. Slowly. I know he meant well. We usually do. A cell phone rings. Millicent goes to her phone. Looks at the collar. Speak of the devil. She silences it. Is the gene machine still bugging you? Don't worry about it. So, I just have to pack up my things and I'll be out of here. You have some place to go? No. It's not like you. So what are you going to do? I'll figure something out. You must have a friend. Sure. You seem like the type whose friends have nice couches. Funny how many people don't want their kids asking why Millicent is sleeping on their couch. But like all your friends have kids? I can always go home. To Jean? It's my place too. I don't like that idea. I'll finish packing. Wait. Oh, man. Okay, look. 
You had until tomorrow. That was the deal. I'll sleep on the couch. I can't make you do that. Fine. You sleep on the couch. We can fire up Craigslist. We'll find you something. What about Chrysala? It's just one night. She doesn't know I came back early. You didn't tell her? Don't start. Thank you. Sparky's home phone rings. Sparky turns the ringer down. Aren't you going to get that? Officially, I'm not back till tomorrow. It's probably Chrysala. I'll get my laptop. You get the blueberries and beer. Sparky? Why do people call you Sparky? It's a long story. I used to have a band. Ralphie and the Dinettes. Why the Dinettes? That was the band. Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons, Little Anthony and the Imperials, Dion and the Belmonts. I know, but why the Formica reference? I don't know. You were doo-wop? No, we were a rock band. It was ironic. Like Frank Zappa and the Mothers of Invention. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, we had some success on the Long Island bar circuit. We were clearing about a hundred bucks a night per guy. How many dinettes? Four, plus me. Five hundred a night. That's pretty good. Yeah. So we started booking gigs in the city. Oh, I like that word, gigs. I tried to use it for massages, but it seemed stupid. I have a massage gig. At first, all our friends came and it was cool, but after a while, they got tired of driving all the way to Bleecker Street and paying a cover plus two drinks, so our crowd started to thin out. Soon, we're playing the bitter end to a couple random tourists. And at one of these gigs, I kind of flamed out, did a Pete Townsend on my guitar and smashed it to pieces and it sparked up. So... Sparky. Yeah. And yet, as fate would have it, it's the last night I ever played. You quit? Rock and roll should either be really great or really bad. But just okay, that's the worst. The world doesn't need another mediocre bar band. Don't you miss it? I don't think about it. But you fix other people's guitars and tune them and stuff. Yeah. And it doesn't make you envious? No. I don't believe you. Believe what you want. You do this all the time. What? Put people under a microscope. I'm curious. Nosy. I like to know what makes people tick. Why? Don't you? I like to be surprised. Ha. What? That's such a sparky thing to say. How do you know? It's part of my job. I thought you were a massager. Massage therapist. What does that have to do with knowing what's a sparky thing to say? You have to be good at reading people. You know, she left her underwear on. Be extra careful with the towel when you flip her. And you are someone who likes to be surprised. Because if you let life happen to you, you don't have to take responsibility when things don't go the way you want them to. You got all that from Ralphie and the Dinettes? You don't like to give microwaves because you have a bad back. Not your fault. What if you're wrong? I'm rarely wrong. Do you check out all your crazy theories with all your clients? I don't have to. I bet you just think you're right. I bet you're wrong 68% of the time. Think what you want. I think you should have a guitar. Revving up the should machine? Just because you pretend you don't want something doesn't mean you don't. When you want to be Zappa and you're Ralphie and the Dinettes, that's just keeping the wound open. You could play for yourself. That's a girl thing to say.
suit yourself. Trying to. So, Craigslist. He searches on his laptop. She gets her massage table and sets it up. I think I'll just sleep on this. What's that? My massage table. Wouldn't the couch be more comfortable? I don't want to impose. Ha! This will be fine. Suit yourself. Large junior studio. Own bathroom. Do you think exclamation points and capital letters attract people? I don't trust anything with exclamation points. It's a sign of overcompensating. I think I used one. You used yours appropriately. Must rent by tomorrow. Totally fine for a sense of urgency. Hey, look at this. Balinese carriage house, teak walled bamboo garden. No exclamation points. How much? Oh, four grand a month. That's a lot of massages. Worry-free rental. That sounds promising. Don't trust it. You're worrying about the worry-free rental. It's a scam. A broker trying to get you to pay a fee to let him do the worrying. Could be worth it if your worry cup is full up. I like to do my own. How do you feel about awesome, fabulous, and charming? Unlikely, fat chance, and too small. Wow, how did I get so lucky? Need reliable tenant, three weeks, decent one bedroom, good deal, good hood, must rent by tomorrow. That was a listing with integrity. You memorized it. It's rare to find a straight shooter on Craigslist. But not impossible, right? I'm trying to steer clear of impossibilities these days. They eat some blueberries, drink some beer. Sparky points to a listing. This one looks good. Ugh, please. Lights down. Scene two. One week later, five a.m. Darkness. A bundle of blankets on the massage table. The blankets begin to thrash. Millicent bolts up. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. I'm so Mil so Millicent. sorry. I'm hey, sorry. What's going on? Sorry. What the hell? I didn't mean to wake you. Just, Just go back to sleep. What happened? Nothing. I'm fine. Nothing. You've happened. been waking up screaming every night for a week. She rises and folds her blankets. What are you doing? I'll go. It's five a.m. I'm upsetting your Sparky time. Christ on a stick, Mill. Fine, go. I'm not falling for this again. You make me feel bad. Next thing I know, you're on my couch for a week. He grabs the mason jar of pencils. Don't forget this. You can keep it. Don't want it. He dumps the pencils on the floor. Hands her the empty jar. That was mean. She picks up the pencils. Leave them. I can't. Yes, you can. No. Leave the fucking pencils. I can't. Leave the pencils on the floor. Oh shit! I'm making tea. He puts the kettle on, gets out two mugs, opens the cabinet. Red zinger, acai berry, peppermint. Two peppermint teas. The kettle finally whistles. He makes the tea and starts toward her with her mug. Milk, right? She nods. Sparky goes back. Adds milk. He joins her on the floor. They sip their tea. Bad dream. You could say that. Was it about Jean? No. Was it the one where someone's chasing you and you can't run? No. You show up for class and there's a test and you haven't studied and you're naked. Werewolves, night of the living dead zombies, drowning in quicksand. None of that. 
you're up on a cliff and there are giant tidal sized waves coming for you and you keep climbing higher and higher and can't get away and you know you're going to have to eventually dive in under the giant waves to get past them but you're just not sure you can do it and time is running out. That's your dream. Lately, yeah. That's about Chrysala. I've had that dream all my life. It's a generic anxiety dream about being afraid of your feelings, like they're going to sweep you away and you won't be able to come up for air. And right now, the thing that you're afraid of is Chrysala. Thanks, Dr. Freudette. Or... Shit. It's me. I'm making you anxious. Believe it or not, you're not. I have to find a place. I know, it's just... Ten massages a day, I'm so exhausted, and then I get back here and the thought of looking at some disgusting sublet. Give me your hands. Why? Just do it. She holds out her hands, dubious. He needs them. You know acupressure? Guitar players get a lot of cramps. How come Chrysala hasn't stayed over since you got back? It's a little crowded. You could stay at her place. She has cats. You're allergic? No. I need to talk to her. Straighten this out. It's got nothing to do with you. Where's her number? You're not calling her. She goes to the table and picks up his cell phone and starts scrolling through the address book. Uh, not now. I just need to get her number. What's her last name? Oh, never mind. Of course, you put people in by their first names. It's not a very good system. Like here, three Cathy's with a C. Kathy B, Kathy M, and Kathy S. You could easily meet another Kathy S. Give me my phone. Debbie, where's Chrysala? It is with a C, right? Or is it with a K? It's a C. So where? I deleted it. Why would you do that? We broke up. What? When? Before I got back. I did what you wanted. I called her. And I set the record straight. You didn't tell her about the regional manager of love, did you? It's got nothing to do with you. Jesus. Just worry about your own shit. I'm going to bed. Do not call her. He downs his tea and heads to his bedroom. It was a recurring dream. He stops. She draws him back with her story. I have a baby. It's not really my baby, but it's an important baby. It's like this baby is even more important than my own baby would be. I mean, if you mess up and lose your own baby, that's bad enough. But to lose someone else's, that's really unforgivable. And this is that level of responsibility. So I'm in charge of this baby. And within minutes of being in charge of taking it on a walk in the park, I lose it. The baby just disappears. I turn my back for a minute, put the baby down on a bench, go to get a hot dog and a soda, and when I turn back, the baby's gone. I panic. I start running around looking for the baby, searching under the bench, running after strangers and making them show me what's in their strollers and snugglies. I'm screaming, where's the baby? Has anyone seen the baby? I lost the baby. And everybody's looking at me strangely and no one really wants to help me because I keep saying the baby instead of my baby. Like if it was my baby, they'd all drop everything. But because it's the baby, they don't even want to make eye contact. And I can't call anyone for help because whoever's baby it is is going to be so mad if they find out I lost it. So I'm running around trying to find the baby by myself, knowing full well that I'm not going to find it. It's gone. 
And yet, the whole time, I know it's not really gone. It's probably just made its way home because it knows I'm not capable of taking care of it. I mean, I went and got a hot dog. But I am beating myself up trying to find it anyway. And eventually the baby's real parents call me and yell at me, The baby just came home by itself. What's wrong with you? Were you even going to tell us you'd lost the baby? And then I wake up. Screaming. It's scary. Not like The Shining or The Exorcist scary. It's psychologically scary. I believe you. It's my dream. My unconscious. If I say it's scary, it's scary. I said I don't I happen to find you. waves scary. I mean, for goodness sake. You can swim. You're strong. Just dive under them. Hey. Hey, you. I've never told anyone that dream before. Not even Gene? He didn't understand. Figures. You don't understand either. No. We could analyze it. It's pointless. I bet it has to do with Gene. I've had this dream since I was old enough to babysit. You said my dream had to do with Chrysala. That's different. Does it have to do with those baby converse you're carrying around? What? Seems like it might be connected. I put those away. Out of sight, out of mind. It's just a dream, okay, Sparky? It's just then a let's damn see. dream. Where are they? Here, baby kicks. Come out. Come out wherever you are. Stop it. Stop making fun of something you know means something to me. I'm not making fun. I thought they were cute. I totally get some for Sparky Jr. You just don't know when to stop, do you? What in the world would make you say something like that? What I say? Sparky Jr. Why would you even come up with an idea like that as a way to try to get me to talk about... Oh, my God. What? Is Chrysala pregnant? How do you do that shit? Oh, Sparky. It's spooky. Figure stuff out from a coffee maker or some random question. You got her pregnant and broke up with her? Why do some people say you got her pregnant and others say we're having a baby? It has to do with responsibility. Whether you stick around to deal with what happens. Don't start lecturing You have to step me. up here. I'm letting you stay here. How can you think I'm an asshole? When it comes to women, You're you a are woman. who you don't really know or care about. It's easy to help me out. It is not easy. How could you walk away from your own child? Do you know what a big deal that is? Stop! You have no fucking idea what you're talking about. You're right. She grabs some clothes and heads off stage to the bathroom. Don't do that. Don't just check out because we're fighting. She slams the bathroom door. Mel, can we talk about this? Mel? Please? Millicent re-enters, dressed. I'll be back tonight to pick up my things. She goes, lugging her massage table. Sparky flops onto the couch, dejected. Suddenly, he rises and exits to his bedroom. He runs back on, pulling on pants, a bright yellow sweater. He grabs his man purse and leaves. Blackout. Scene 3. Later that night. Sparky watches TV. There are food wrappers and shoes and socks strewn about. Magazines. A couple of empty beer bottles. Millicent enters with her massage table. She begins to clean up the mess. Yo. Hello. You don't have to do that. I don't mind. Please don't. I know I said I'd be out by tonight. 
I had a crazy day and I only clients. had time. Yes. How many did you see today? Nine. Where do you see them anyway? Some at the healing center where I work, some at their homes. So you have to drag that thing all around town? Yes. Must be tiring. Uh-huh. And you massage them all for like, what, an hour, 90 minutes? 75 minutes. All my sessions are 75. I believe that's the perfect amount of time. So 75 times 9, that's 11 and a quarter hours right there, plus travel. That's probably, what, another two, three hours at least? But wait, that's not right. I guess I only did six or seven today. You said nine. I was wrong. Not like you. What's your point? Did I tell you I met Gene today? She stops tidying. Gene? He stopped by. How did I gave he... him the address but... after I called him. You... After him? he called me. He called technically, you? Technically, he was calling you, but I picked up. Millicent stands, frozen with fear. After all your nightmares and screaming and stuff, I had him meet me at the coffee place first, but you were right. Gene's not an asshole. He's not. You didn't tell me he writes Captain McTastic. He shouldn't be dragging you into this. I don't really feel dragged into anything by Gene. He can be very charming when he wants to be. True that. Said you'd hook me up with back editions of McTastic. My boss is like his number one fan. He's going to love me. Isn't that convenient? It's not like he was buying me off or anything. No? It was an afterthought after we'd, you know, caught up on the basics. I'd prefer it if you didn't talk to Gene. So I don't find out you've been lying to me? I haven't lied to you. Gene says your clients have been calling your house, wondering why you've canceled appointments or just not shown up. That your family is worried about you. That you're not returning anyone's calls. Millicent collects the empty beer bottles. Put them down. I'm just going to recycle. He grabs the bottles. Let go. She won't. You called me the regional manager of love. You lectured me about irresponsibility, about running away. This is different. How? I'm a grown adult woman with her own business, and if I need to take a little break, I will take a little break. Jean says your clients are pretty upset. Too bad. Mill. I give them everything. I take in all of their energy, all their pain and suffering. I'm not their full-time on-call healer. No one's saying you don't deserve a break. What did Gene tell you? Said you had a rough couple of years. Did he tell you why? Maybe a little. He'll talk to a complete stranger, but not me. My take is that he's kind of beside himself over you checking out. He seems like a guy whose dam has burst, maybe. For Christ's sake. What? The guy just wants to talk. You owe him that. I think it's best if we not talk about what I owe anyone, especially Gene. He pulls the baby booties out of his pocket and sets them on the coffee table. I wasn't completely upfront about how things went down with Gene before I met him, before I even decided to call him back. I followed you. This morning, after our fight, I saw you stow your massage table in the basement, and I trailed you as you walked all the way down there, and I watched you. I see. But I didn't get it. What were you doing? None of your business. It was like you were in a trance, staring, watching people. What were you looking for? I have a lead on a place. A woman who's quit her job and is going to hike Kilimanjaro. If I water her plants, I get $200 off her asking price. 
I'll find out tomorrow. She was choosing between me and a woman who contacted her first but has a cat. I think she's worried that the cat will eat the plants. Look, Mill, I'm the last one to start throwing out shoulds. Then don't. But if you're not going to talk to me, don't you want to talk to Jean? Sparky. I'm glad you and Jean hit it off and that he's giving you some comic books for your boss. But what's going on between Jean and I goes back a long ways, and I haven't just disappeared on some whim. You understand? I just wish you'd trust me. To what? I am not just a big goofball slob who can't possibly understand anything deep. I have problems, too. Like which tube sock to use? I know something about relationships. You just broke up with your pregnant girlfriend after refusing to return her call. You're ignoring Jean. You are a boy, Sparky. You knocked up some girl and you ran off. You and I have nothing in common. And if you talk to Jean, if you have any inkling of what I'm going through, then even an overgrown child like you should know that I have no desire to hear about your concerns about becoming a fucking father. Chrysalis got an abortion. Oh, God. And it was her idea, not mine. I think I'm going to be sick. By the time she told me, she'd already done it. Stop. I'm only telling you because I thought maybe it would show you that you can talk to me. That I might understand just a little bit. This isn't happening. I would have loved that kid. La 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 Mil, la 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 hey, la la Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. Mil, shut calm up, shut down. Up, shut up. I found some place I knew would be safe. I cleaned your moldy tile grout. And now you have a fucking baby story? It's not a baby story. It's always a baby story. The client who went through 10 IVFs and her life savings and was told she'd never conceive, then got pregnant when she gave up. Baby story. The friend of a friend who tried for years and then adopted a Chinese little girl and then gets knocked up? Eureka! Two baby stories. No one's story ends with, and she lived happily ever after, childless. Chrysala killed my baby. And then she sent me a fucking sweater for my birthday. So make another one. That's cold. Yes, it is. That's who I am now. So fuck you, Sparky. Fuck you for getting your girlfriend pregnant and fuck her for aborting it. Because at the end of the day, it's another fucking baby story. Don't you get it? I'm the victim here, like you. Both of us. How are you the victim? I told you. She went and had the abortion without me. I don't believe you. You think I'm lying about this? When did she tell you she was pregnant? The day you moved in here. She was only five weeks. She figured it out quick. And what did you say? I was surprised. Obviously. I mean, we used protection, I thought. She didn't? We did. You know, a condom. What did you say? I don't remember exactly. What did you say? I said, wow, how'd that happen? And then what? Then she cried and stuff. Then what? Then I asked her what she was going to do. What she was going to do? What? Her body, right? That's the enlightened thing to say. It's her decision. So it just happened to you? You had no role in the situation? I used a condom. Did you tell her you wanted to keep the baby? I didn't know that then. Did you tell her you'd be there for her? Sure. What did you say? She said she couldn't be a mom right now. She wasn't planning on this. And you said? I said I'd split the bill. I guess you don't like to be surprised after all.
This hits him hard. After a moment, he grabs the booties and shoves them toward her. So what's your story, huh? Tell me yours. I don't have one. Sure you do. Everyone does, right? Come on. What's yours? Three years ago, a healer I was seeing told me to knit these from my unborn child. That if I made a place in my heart and in my home for a baby, that baby, my baby, would find me. I didn't even know how to knit. I am not crafty. It took me three months to get it right. I kept having to rip it out and fix it. It's really hard to knit something this tiny and intricate, but I did. And I put them in my bedroom, our bedroom, jeans and mine. Up on the dresser next to the African fertility god some friend had given me because it worked for her. And we had sex on the right days, the wrong days, with my legs in the air, after injecting nun's urine in my ass, after acupuncture, after drinking Eye of Newt, for three years. And still those booties sat there, empty. Until one day, four weeks ago, I was laying in some musty dark room while this old Chinese man was rubbing his leathery hands over my body to realign my energy, and he told me I needed to eat bee pollen. And I went home and packed my bags, and I went on Craigslist, and I called you. And I stopped seeing my clients because... <sighs> bee pollen? People just can't be healed from some things. I'm sorry. I'm so tired of people being sorry. That's why I go there. I barely left your apartment the whole time you were gone, but when you got back, I just started wandering. And I found myself there. It's like I was drawn to the most painful place I could think of. Ground zero. And I started to see myself in other people's faces. I'm not the only one. I can tell the ones who lost someone. It's the only thing that gives me comfort. Seeing someone else with that look on her face. Someone else who understands that no amount of sorry can make it better. Millicent moves about, agitated, inconsolable. She begins to tear his apartment apart, undoing all of her organizing. There's something wrong with me. There's nothing. I'm broken. It's okay. I'm here, Mill. It's okay. It is not okay. He holds her. She struggles against it, but eventually lets herself be held. True that. True that. Lights down. Scene four. The next day. The place is still a mess. Lights up on Sparky, playing his guitar, wearing the blue v-neck sweater from Act 1, Scene 3. The mournful tune from the earlier scene has morphed into something slightly more hopeful. He plays for a while, stops. The silence hangs in the air. The phone rings. Answering machine picks up. Hi, leave a message for Ralph or Sparky at the beep, and I'll call you back. Beep. You changed the message. It's me, Millicent. I just wanted to say... Mill? Hey, I'm here. What's... Where are you? 
I woke up at like 5 a.m. and you were gone. I went for a walk. Are you okay? I'm okay. Where are you? You, you want me to come get you? I'm outside. He opens his door. Millicent is sitting there. Hi. Hey. I was going to wait until you left, get my things, leave a note, but you weren't leaving. I thought you might have a plan like that up your sleeve. It would have been easier. For who? I made a big mess. I like mess. When shit's all put away in drawers, you forget what you've got. You can go months not wearing your favorite socks. Yeah, well... That's extreme circumstances. He holds out his hand to help her up. So, where you been? I went back there. Wasn't working. Someone told me once, the hardest thing is that there's no body to grieve. And for a lot of those people there, there was never a body to bury. I thought that's what I saw in their faces. But this morning, standing there, I realized that's not what I saw. I saw memories. I saw lives lived, cut short. I have what if. Yeah. I heard from the Kilimanjaro woman. She picked me. That's great. Yeah. I feel like things are really looking up. So when... I'm supposed to meet her this afternoon to get the key. I can move in tomorrow. Wow. Jean's going to pick me up. Give me a ride over. You talked to Jean? Not really. But I told him I would. That's cool. She pulls her suitcase out and starts to hunt for her things, gathering her clothing, slowly packing. There was this one woman there this morning, though. Yeah? With big purple and pink dreadlocks, mixed in with all these bright plastic tubes and ribbons. In her hair? Yeah, all woven together. Like Medusa. Exactly. She was just getting a coffee from the coffee cart with all this purple and pink hair, like it was nothing. Weird. It didn't look easy. It looked like it had taken her some real time to figure that out. Not just a one-day hairdo, all that work. No way. She must sleep with it. Maybe she wraps her head in a big towel or something. Maybe. But it can't be forever. some point, she's got to go to the gym or take a shower. Or get married or something. <laughs> she can't just have her head like that forever. Something's got to give. If only to put, like, Green braids in her hair, right? Seems logical. So, when that happens, what'd she do? She undoes it. She takes out the knit booties from her pocket and fingers a single strand of yarn at the end. And I was thinking, maybe I can do that too. And maybe you'd. Do it with me? She pulls on the strand and unravels a few rows. She stops, unable to continue. He reaches out and gently takes it from her. He gently gathers the ripped yarn from the destroyed booty and presents it to her, along with the intact booty. Wait. He goes to the kitchen and grabs a knife and saws at his sweater until he has a few loose threads. He begins to pull it apart. Together, they unravel the sweater... Not completely, but until it's in tatters. 
I just ruined a perfectly good sweater. Don't take this the wrong way. But you're the kind of guy who's always going to have sweaters. How do you figure? Women just want to buy sweaters for you. That explains a lot. I'm a sweater buyer. I'm starting to think that's how the world is divided. You're not going to get all, no one ever buys me a sweater on me again, are you? Well, it would be nice. Just once. Thing is, you buy your own, you at least get something you like. She smiles at his tatters. She continues to pack. She spots a guitar propped in the corner. You got a guitar? It was in storage. He plugs in. Tunes. You were right, Mel. I hate those assholes with their mint condition fenders and gretches. I hate wiping their sweat off whammy bars and open tunings. And I honestly don't even care that they get paid shitloads of money to play for thousands and get laid as much as they want. But they get to play. And yeah, maybe sometimes they're great, but not always, you know. The great stuff, it happens on the bus, back in the hotel room when you're fried, sitting around half drunk, just fooling around, or alone in your room. He plays a mournful tune. You scared? She nods. You'll be okay. Yeah. It's over. With me and Chrysala, I just can't, you know, get past it. You never know. I know. You never know. Maybe. He plays a riff. She stops to listen. You're not mediocre. I am, but who cares? He puts his guitar down, jumps up, and hands her the mason jar of pencils. Don't forget this. You keep it. No, really. I don't want it. Neither do I. You do. You just don't know it. This isn't a man purse situation. <laughs> she takes the jar and puts it in her bag. He takes the pencils and begins distributing them around his place, like he's hiding Easter eggs. If things don't work out with the Jeanster, there's always a couch for you at the Sparky Palace. Thank you. Pshaw. Her cell phone rings. It's Jean. You must be out front. I'm going to miss you. Yeah, right. Maybe we can hang out sometime. Sure. I'll make sure Jean gets you those McTastics. Sure. So, I guess this is goodbye. They share an awkward hug. She gets to the door with her bags. Mill, this may be the exact wrong thing to say, but I think you'd have made a great mom. She drops her bags and gives him a giant hug. They linger a moment. She pulls away, heads to the door. Without looking back. Thank you, Sparky. And she's gone. Sparky picks up the guitar. He straps it on, plugs it in, plucks a few notes. He goes over to Millicent's plastic drawer case and opens guitar picks. He takes one out. He plays a hard rock riff or two. Loud. Angry. And then he begins to pick out the notes to looks like we made it. The Sparky version. As he hits the chorus. Lights down. End of play. This has been a production of Play for Keeps. Thank you for joining us. 